They say ignorance is bliss, that it's better to live in the dark than discover a truth you might not want to know. But is ignoring the truth really a better way to live or a potential disaster waiting to happen? Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. We do this by using true life stories of real people. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. Do you value the truth? Before you go with the obvious answer, you might think of a time that the truth hurt your feelings or maybe changed everything. Sometimes it feels easier to live in the unknown than face the truth. How do we accept a truth that might change everything? That's what we'll be looking into in this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Nowadays, seeking out the truth isn't an easy task. For example, with the internet, for every scrap of truthful information, there are a myriad of false articles that say the exact opposite. Finding the facts buried underneath all the falsities can seem, well, impossible. Whether we're talking about the internet, academia, the media, culture in general, and sadly, even pockets of some churches. One thing remains true. The truth is not subjective or negotiable. Although he was confused and frustrated, the man in this week's episode was dedicated to searching for the truth. But what would he do when he found it? Also, you want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter our sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. The true story of Robert Reinsch. Here you go, cuz. Hot burger right off the grill. Oh, all yours, man. If I eat any more, I'm gonna explode. You wouldn't believe all the food they have inside. It's crazy. Whose house are we at again? I think it's that girl in math class. You know, the one on the volleyball team? Oh, yeah, Rachel. I think I saw her in the kitchen. I've lost count of how many parties we've been to this weekend. This graduation thing is awesome. <laughs> Cousin, we have officially matriculated. Whatever that means. It means we can finally leave Missouri and take that road trip. Hey, let's leave next week, bro. We'll flip a coin. Heads, we drive to California, and tails, we head to New York City. Sorry, man. I, I can't go this summer. What? We've been talking about this trip since we were in fifth grade. Don't tell me you got a girlfriend. No. Yeah, let me guess. Jackie finally said she'd go out with you. But I can't believe you're postponing our trip because of some stupid girl. It's not a girl. I went down to the recruiting station last Friday. You know, just to see what they offered. Oh. That's cool. Nothing wrong with asking questions as long as you don't sign any. No. Tell me you didn't. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Oh, cuz. Look, just, just tell them you'll start next month. Sorry, man. I leave for Army Boot Camp on Wednesday. I was kind of hoping you'd come with me. My recruiter said I'd get a bonus if any of my friends enlisted. I'll split it with you. And we'll still get our road trip. But the army will pay for it. You're crazy, man. You know they're gonna send you to Vietnam. Maybe. 
Maybe not. Just feels like the right thing to do. Gives me a chance to see the world, you know? Come on, Bobby, enlist with me. No way, man. I'm going to college. I can't believe you enlisted. Promise me you won't die over there. <laughs> Nothing bad's gonna happen. I'm serious. You're my favorite cousin. I, I don't want to lose you. Promise me you'll come back. All right, all right. I promise. I promise I won't die. Many of us graduate from high school or college with great expectations of what the future holds. But the reality is our journey through life is often filled with twists and turns that we could never have anticipated. Sometimes those detours are the very things that God uses to shape who we become, like the man in our story. We now bring you the true story of Robert and Debbie Reich, right now on Unshackled. Hi there, my name's Debbie. My part in Bob's story comes much later, but I love hearing stories about what his life was like before I met him. The summer he graduated, Larry went through basic training a couple of months later. Just like Bob predicted, he was sent to Vietnam. At the end of summer, Bob went to college, but after a couple of months, well, I'll let him share that part of his story. After two years of barely making passing grades, I realized I wasn't cut out for all that book learning and paper writing. And I didn't want to move back in with my parents with eight young siblings at home. So I decided to follow my cousin's example and enlisted in the Air Force. Maybe they could instill in me the discipline that I wanted in my life. I figured with all the air bases around the world, I would finally get that adventure I always wanted. So where did they send you? Whiteman Air Force Base. Oh. Only one hour from my parents' house. Oh. But turned out it wasn't all that bad. Almost every weekend I'd go home, do my laundry, get some home cooking, and in the evenings, spend time with my girlfriend. Uh-huh. She went to this little church that believed baptism is what saves you. Well, that didn't go over too well with my parents. <laughs> hey, Dad. What are you doing up this late? I want to talk to you now, in the basement. What's this all about? <laughs> You're scaring me. You see this junk in my hand? It's mail, addressed to you. Look at the return address. It's just literature from my girlfriend's church. They, they send it to everyone who visits them. Oh, what? Our church isn't good enough for you? You think we didn't raise you right? You have to go to this, this type of church? Why are you yelling at me? Everybody upstairs can hear you screaming at me. Well, this is my house, and I don't care if all the neighbors hear me. I don't want this stuff in my house. And your mom, she found this on top of your suitcase. Yeah, that's the Bible that church gave me. I, I like reading it every morning. Oh, well, what's wrong with our Bible that you have to read this one? Well, your Bible has things added to it. I just wanted to compare the two, that's all. How could you do this to your mother and me. I just want to know more about God and, and find out what's real and what's not. I, I thought you'd want that for me, too. Well, what I want is for you to believe the things we do. That's what I want. Now, go upstairs. Your mother wants to talk to you. Do I really have to? Go talk to your mother. 
Hey, Mom, Dad said you wanted to talk to Mom? Mom, why are you crying? I can't believe you would do this to us. Here, take this paper. There's a number on it. You will call that number and get this straightened out. Use the phone in the master bedroom and do not come out of there until you call that number. Hello, how can I help you? This is Bob, Bob Reinch, and... Uh... Ah, yes, your parents told me you'd be calling. Seems like you've changed a lot from the little lad I knew in parochial school, Robert. What caused you to doubt? Doubt? What doubt? I've never doubted that God exists. There's just some things I have questions about. Well, tell me, what is it about this other church that has swayed you from our teachings? I haven't been swayed. I just... Okay, can I ask you some questions about what your church teaches? Of course. There's nothing I can't answer. How do you know when you've said enough prayers to get your dead loved ones out of uh, uh, that, that holding... Um... Intermediate state. Purification. Yeah, and into heaven. Well, that's up to God to decide. I suppose we'll never know when we've prayed enough. That's why it's so important to keep praying. But when I read the original Bible, there's nothing in it anywhere that says we're to pray for those who have died. Well, Bob, there are certain traditions that our church fathers wrote which are meant to guide us and give clarity to what the Bible says. Okay, here's another question. What do I do to be sure I'll go to heaven? <laughs> well... No one can ever be completely sure. Well, that's why you must be faithful to pray every day that God will forgive your sins and accept you when you stand before him. But what about that verse in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I mean, doesn't that mean that if I just believe in Jesus and that he died for my sins, I can be assured I'll go to heaven? How can anyone really know if they truly believe, son? That's the mystery of it all. That's why salvation depends, in part, on how you live your life. But that's not what Jesus is saying. You need to trust me, young man, and to never question the church's authority in this matter. Do you understand? I understand that every answer you've given me was based on church tradition, rather than what's written in my Bible. After that conversation, I realized I might not know everything about the Bible, but it seemed like I knew more than he did. When I hung up the phone, I knew I was on a path to finding out if the Bible was really true or just a collection of man-made myths. I just had to keep reading my Bible and trust that if there really was a God, he would help answer my questions. My next duty station in Athens, Greece, was where he would show me the next step in my faith journey. Next. Reinsch, Robert, any mail for me? Yeah, let's see here. Richards, uh, Roberts, uh, nope, don't see any. But wait a minute. Reinsch, yeah, you got one. All the way from APO Saigon. Thanks. All right, keep moving. Who's next? Dear cousin, how's life in the Air Force? Thought I'd take a break from packing my duffel bag and write you a letter. Hard to believe only two more weeks and I get to fly home. Remember how we couldn't wait until high school was over? Man, 
I can't wait until this combat tour is over. It's been crazy, man. You can't tell the good guys from the bad guys. And the stuff I've seen keeps me awake at night. I'm proud to serve my country, but why we're here, I'll never know. I better get back to packing my gear. Last patrol tomorrow, and then back to Saigon for processing. Right! Let me know where you're stationed, and I'll come visit you and- Roger, you deaf? No, sir. I mean, yes, sir, Sergeant. Then answer your name the first time I call you. Yes, sir. A phone call for you in the barracks. Hello? Robert. Is that you? Dad? What's going on? Mom okay? She's fine. Robert, uh, it's your cousin, Larry. Is he there? Well, put him on the line. <laughs> That's crazy. I was just reading a letter from him. Let me talk to him. Son, uh, I'm sorry. Dad, what happened? Larry came home yesterday. Oh, you, you had me scared for a moment. I thought you were calling because... His funeral's tomorrow, Robert. He was killed on his last patrol. Folks, we'll get back to Robert's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. Dot org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the true story of Robert Reinch. So much of my life growing up had revolved around Larry that the news of his death left a gaping hole in my heart. I stayed behind in the barracks that day while everyone else went to the dining hall. As I stood alone, a rage grew inside me, and I raised my fist and shook it at God and demanded he explain why he had taken Larry. All I heard back was silence. At that moment, I knew I had a choice. Either I could walk away from God forever, or I could keep reading my Bible to understand why he allowed people to suffer or die when it seemed way before their time. One of my friends on base invited me to a Bible study. Here, every week, he prayed that God would lead a missionary couple to Athens to work among the servicemen. I soon met them. Mr. Miller? Everyone calls me Jesse. Come on in. You must be Bobby. Yep. My wife, Nettie, just made a fresh pot of coffee. 
Let me pour you a cup. Well, thanks. I suppose you want to ruin your coffee with some cream and sugar? <laughs> no, sir. The stronger, the better. <laughs> so what's on your mind, son? How can I help you? Well, I've been in and out of the church ever since I was a kid. Every time I think about giving up on God, something keeps pulling me back. But I still have lots of doubts. That's just being human. One time, someone asked Jesus to heal them. And Jesus essentially asked the man, Do you believe? And the man answered, Yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. Seems like Jesus appreciated that honesty, because he went on and healed the man. God is loving and patient, and always ready for us to come to him with whatever's on our mind. So what's on yours? Well, if God is loving, then why does he allow suffering? Why does God allow good people like my cousin to die? Let me answer those questions with another question. Why did God allow his son to suffer on the cross? I don't know. I, I suppose it was part of some larger plan he had. But Jesus was a good man. In fact, the Bible says he lived a life without sin. Why did God allow a good person, a perfect person, to die? Why? Because it was the only way the punishment we deserve could be satisfied by someone else. You can read the Old Testament from beginning to end, and it's filled with animal sacrifices as a symbol of repentance and forgiveness. But those sacrifices had to be repeated day after day. When Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, died on that horrible cross, those sins were atoned for, once and for all. God had larger plans for his son, just like he does for you and me. So why didn't his death make the world better? One day it will, when Christ returns to make everything right. But right now, we still live in a broken, sin-filled world, where people continue to rebel against God being the Lord of their lives. Even though people are made in the image of God, there is a heart of evil in each and every one of us that only God can change. I learned that the hard way. How? Well, during the Bataan Death March in World War II, over half the POWs I was with died during that time, either from being beaten, malnourished, or from horrible slave labor. I'll never forget it. And God showed me that in my heart of hearts, I was as much of a sinner as any one of my captors. I realized I could never do enough good to outweigh the stain of my sin. Only a perfect Savior could do that for me. And he'll do the same for you too, Robert. All you have to do is ask him. As I was walking back to the base that night, the message of the Bible suddenly became very clear to me. It seemed like most of my life I had known that Jesus Christ was real and that he had died and rose again from the grave. I just thought it was part of history. But I finally understood that all of us have disobeyed God and gone our own way, myself included. My sin had separated me from a holy God, and until I asked for his forgiveness, a personal relationship with him would never be possible. When I got back to my room, I dropped to my knees. Oh Lord Jesus, if you are the Son of God that the Bible says you are, then I want, no, no, I need you to save me. Please forgive my sins. Come into my heart and rule my life. Please save me, God, please. 
The excitement I had for my new life in Christ led me to spend more time around Jesse and Nettie Miller, and being around them gave me a love for ministering to people. As my enlistment drew to an end, they strongly encouraged me to attend a Bible college in Portland, Oregon. I was surprised to learn that the GI Bill would cover most of the cost. A few years later, I graduated with a burning desire to serve my Lord Jesus full-time, and God gave me a partner who shared the same vision. And that would be me. Debbie and I got married right after graduation with these big plans for ministry. But surprisingly, those plans got pushed to the back of our minds. We were so busy setting up our first apartment, finding jobs to pay the bills, and chasing after that American dream to buy a house and start a family, that we lost track of what we were most passionate about. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, but God was nudging us in a different direction. It just took us some time to realize that. Here's a listing for a Cape Cod home on Jefferson Street. Price is a little out of our range, but if they give me a few more hours at work, we might be able to swing it. It looks nice. Honey, you didn't even look at this photo. It's got that paint color you like. Yeah, yeah, that's cute. Okay, something's on your mind, and it's definitely not this house. Do you still have the same desire to serve Jesus that you had back in Bible school? Yeah, I suppose so. Then why are we buying a house and putting down roots? Oh, because I thought that's what you wanted. <laughs> I'm only doing it because I thought that's what you wanted. If we're still convinced that God wants us in full-time ministry, either overseas or somewhere in the States, then what are we doing looking for a larger home? Why don't we trust Him more? Flight 389 to Kansas City, now boarding. We really did it. We sold everything. Like you said, we have to empty our hands so God can fill them with what He wants for us. My folks will be glad when we show up with only two suitcases. The Lord will show us where He wants us. My family was dumbfounded that we had left our home and jobs to move where we had neither. We were so poor that Christmas. We couldn't even afford to buy a Christmas tree or even gifts. But we were happy. This was where God wanted us to pray and wait. God led me to a Bible study where I learned about a mission that places people in small churches in the Midwest. They interviewed us and Bob accepted a pastor position in northern Minnesota, about 45 minutes from the Canadian border. Saying it was a rocky start would be putting it mildly. That was a long meeting. What did the church board have to say? They liked my first sermon but thought it could have been shorter and they said to expect only 25 people to attend on Sundays. But they told us there were over 100. I know, on the church rolls. My guess is that some of those names are buried in the cemetery behind the church. Oh, they're probably the ones who led the adult Sunday school, because apparently there hasn't been one for over 10 years. Mm. Maybe we could ask one of the board members to lead a class. Why are you shaking your head no? I already asked. All of them told me that they do not pray in public, nor do they teach. So it's just you and me. And God. He led us here, so he'll be the one who changes hearts. That night, and nearly every night after that, we knelt in our tiny living room and asked for God to bring revival to our little church. We prayed for each church member by name and all their children as well. 
It took years of intentionally building relationships and earning their trust. But eventually, people joined Bible studies and the church began to grow. I discipled the women and Bob discipled the men to pursue deeper relationships with God. Over the years, our mission board moved us on to other small, struggling churches located throughout Minnesota, Kansas, and South Dakota. We worked hard and prayed hard. Being in full-time ministry can be overwhelming, but the joy of seeing people come to know Jesus makes it all worthwhile. That pace did start to take a toll, though. And we desperately needed a break. <sighs> I can't remember the last time I felt this relaxed. Oh, just listen to those waves. Sweetheart, sweetheart, I am so happy we finally did this. How's your headache? You feeling any better? Oh, it still hurts. You sound like you just woke up from a nap. You sure you're okay? Oh, I can't shake this. My head and neck hurt. Okay, let's get back to the hotel room. I'll see if they have a doctor we can call. Bobby? Bob, look at me. Oh, no. One side of your face is drooping. All right, let's get in the car. I'm driving you right to the hospital. Hey, sleepyhead. You're finally awake. What happened? You, my dear, had a stroke. Doctors say they caught it in time, and you'll start rehab in a few days. Oh, we need to get back to the church. Lots of meetings coming up. Sweetie, sweetie, you aren't going anywhere. All the people you trained and mentored are stepping up. Everything's covered back home, and everybody's praying for you. You've done your part, good and faithful servant of God. Now it's time to heal and let others continue the work that you started. Any chance I can change your mind? <laughs> Get some rest, honey. God's taking care of his church. Focusing on my recovery meant moving back to Kansas City for better medical care and to be near my family so they could help Debbie and our kids. The doctors eventually placed a plate in Bob's neck. Which relieved my searing head pain. I fully recovered from my stroke. Then you volunteered to teach Sunday school at our new church. I can honestly say that my life in Christ has been a wonderful adventure. God patiently answered every question I threw at him and slowly opened my eyes to the reality that nothing could ever be better than walking with him and loving those he has placed in my path. Life can be hard, but God is good. Always good. Friend, are you searching like Robert was? Like him, our lives are full of situations that might leave us confused about who God is. Yet the Bible speaks the truth in Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. When we seek God, he reveals himself to us. Although it can sometimes be challenging to understand him when we have trials in this life, he asks us to search for him. In a world full of lies, our eyes can become clouded, but when we repent and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, he gives us new eyes that enable us to see through the deceptive fog to his perfect truth. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. 
It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you, but in the meantime, here's a fact about Unshackled. Throughout the years, many of the people who shared their testimonies with us to be made into an episode were saved because God opened their eyes and hearts while listening to an unshackled broadcast. This is exactly why we share these people's stories. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled audio drama podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast and Don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. Okay, here's the prize for our upcoming sweepstakes contest, a beautiful wooden scripture plaque. And I believe the scripture on this uh, particular plaque is Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the earth. Folks, this is a gorgeous plaque, especially if you're looking for uh, daily inspiration from scripture. You will love this authentic and um, very unique wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch or a log. Uh, and cut in such a way to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. I didn't actually witness that happening, but I can assure you it did. It's been handcrafted around the natural character and the beauty of the wood that God created. So all you have to do to enter our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast Sweepstakes Drawing, (gasps) that's a mouthful, is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. Your name, phone number, and email. The winner for this sweepstake for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on July 26th, but the deadline for entry is July 21st. The 21st is this week, folks, so be sure to send your information in before then. And next time... Hey, man. Where you think you're going? Headed home, man. I gotta get home. A few too many tonight, huh? Please, excuse me. Whoa, 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 not so fast. You know that dude you got into it with at the bar? I, I didn't mean to. So. Oh, you didn't mean to. You messed with the wrong crowd tonight, man. Oh. Hey, boys, come here. Get a piece of this. My wife, can I just call my wife? Oh. It seemed like Bud Rauschenberger would never conquer his battle with alcoholism. Roll your window down. Morning, boss. You sleep out here again? Oh, yeah, I suppose I did. But when this truck driver dared to attend his sister's Bible study, he stepped into a redemption story that changed everything. Your sister and your mom are so worried about you. I know. They're afraid you're gonna, you know, die or end up killing someone else. The true story of Bud Rauschenberger, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Robert Reinch were Tom Geich, Demetrius Troy, Art Fox, and Lisa Keefe. Original music and audio engineer, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Scott Kirk. 
That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>